Welcome to Trine Day's The Journey, conversations with publisher Chris Milligan. Today, we'll be talking with Nick Bryant, author of America's Children, Triumph or Tragedy, The Franklin Scandal, A Story of Power Brokers, Child Abuse and Betrayal, and Confessions of a DC Madam, The Politics of Sex, Lies, and Blackmail, written with Henry Vincent. And I am Bruce DeTorres. Chris, say hello to your friend, Nick. Howdy, 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 Nick. Howdy, Chris. Yeah, it, you know, see, I, I heard about Nick before I knew he existed. I'd been uh, investigating, you know, CIA drugs and then what I call CIA drugs, the dark side, which includes MKUltra and all that kind of stuff, uh, which leads you into uh, the child molestations and stuff. And I was uh, friends with some people there in uh, Omaha, and I, I get a call from one of them and says, hey, there's this guy here from uh, Rolling Stone coming around talking and asking questions, saying he's going to have a, a story about this in Rolling Stone or in some magazine. And my comment was, well, it sounds to me like a vacuum cleaner operation. A vacuum cleaner operation is a uh, oh, cute name for an intelligence thing where uh, you send somebody in to find out what's what's going on what what people remember about about an old thing and my comment yeah, that's my comment was it says I think it's a vacuum cleaner I, I don't think we'll see anything because I'd been used to very much seeing stories just uh, shut down and shut down and shut down and then finally I found out who Nick was and and we we talked on the phone and Nick informed me that you know he was uh, a well-established, respectable uh, writer, and, and the book was going to come out from New York. And I says, well, okay, that hasn't been my experience on a couple of books. And so I sent him a couple of books and of that we'd done. And I says, remember me out here in Oregon. And Nick tried really hard to get it come out from New York. And then after a while, he called me up and said, well, I guess it's not going to happen. So we work together and, and uh, I'm gonna mention uh, Russ Becker. He was uh, one of the original people here at Trine Day and he was a uh, college professor and had a doctor of English and, and he really helped us on uh, Nick's book. And it's, it's an amazing book and I wish it got a little bit more notice out there, Nick. What, what, do, you, what do you have to say? Well, I've been told by a lot of people that it's an amazing book, and I've been told by people that it should have won the Pulitzer Prize, but... Um, That's the Franklin scandal? Yes, but it, it, it's a book ahead of its time. Now we're seeing with Epstein the exact same thing, or just about the exact same thing as what happened with the Franklin scandal. Although a number of uh, reputable news outlets have discussed Jeffrey Epstein's penchant for blackmail, that hasn't made it into the Epstein narrative. And... Former Labor Secretary Alexander Acosta was asked, he was the U.S. Attorney for Southern Florida, and he gave Jeffrey Epstein his sweetheart deal of uh, 18 months in the county jail, which he served 13 months for molesting multiple girls. Before we get into the, to the Epstein, can, can you give uh, people just a little bit of background of what the Franklin scandal was and who Larry King was and that kind of stuff. Well, the Franklin scandal is about a interstate pedophile network, and it had two primary pimps. One was Lawrence E. King in Omaha, Nebraska, and 
their own expense in Washington, D.C. And King and Spence flew kids all over the country from L.A. to the East Coast. And Craig Spence was a power broker and a lobbyist. And he had a house in Washington, D.C. that was wired for audiovisual blackmail. And he also was a CIA asset. And he would have these parties at his house along with the kids. And if someone had those inclinations or any kind of inclinations, uh, whether it be drugs or even, or they might be gay and closeted and have a tryst with a gay prostitute. Spence spent $25,000 a month on gay prostitutes in the mid eighties, which would be a substantial sum today. And that's where people were blackmailed, was at Spence's home. And, and I'm sure that there were other milieus where people were blackmailed, but I was able to get a significant amount of uh, corroboration about Spence's blackmail, King and Spence's blackmail operation. And, and Larry King, uh, didn't he, he like sing the Star Spangled Banner at a Republican convention? In 1984, he sang the national anthem at the Republican convention. And, uh, and then in 1988, he had a big shindig for his friend, George Herbert Walker Bush, when he was nominated for uh, the presidency. You know, it, it, it just was amazing to me, that book. We, you know, we sent it around. We, we got told politely to just, you know, be quiet. And then you worked on a book with, with Henry Vincent, Confessions of a DC Madam. Tell just a little bit about Henry and how he got into that position. Well, Confessions of a DC Madam is kind of an extension of the Franklin scandal. Henry Vincent ran an escort service where Spence was spending up to $25,000 a month. Oh, it was a gay tell escort. The, tell the story how, how he got the escort system. He was working in Washington, DC as a funeral director. And he met a couple of escorts and they told him that uh, they weren't really happy with their escort service. And through one of the escorts, Henry met someone who was selling their escort service. And Henry bought the escort service for a very nominal price. I can't remember exactly what it was, but it wasn't too much. And then he went through the yellow pages calling up various escort services. And the escort services, a lot of them are just fly-by-night operations and they don't pay their phone bill. So what Henry did is he called up all the escort services in the yellow pages and he encountered a number of disconnected numbers. And then he called up the telephone company and he said, I will pay the arrears on this number if the callers are sent in my way or if I can take over the number. And uh, so after a few days or a week of calling it, escort services in the phone company, he ended up with a number of escorts in the yellow pages, a number of escort services in the yellow pages, was a major ingenuity on, on his part. I remember there, Henry talked about servicing himself, William Casey. Well, he said that his escorts did service William Casey and that Casey had this bizarre ritual of he liked to be anointed with oils and it sounded like Casey was a very strange bird and he was for the most part impotent. So that's how William Casey came to, his name came to Henry's attention is because his escorts were talking about this strange guy who would like to be anointed with oil and was impotent. And CIA director. And that just happened to be the CIA director, yes. And, and head of Capital Cities too, a great propaganda fountain. And then, I'm sorry, but can you tell again the, the uh, story about how uh, they, they kind of captured Henry and, and, and Spence said, you know, I, I can survive a, a background check, can you? 
Well, actually, um, Spence wanted Henry to do some things, or the Government Accounting Office, GAO, that Henry was kind of leery of. Because what was happening with Henry's escort service is he was running all these credit cards through a service that provided funeral accessories. So if you wanted to like have a night with one of Henry's gay escorts, it would be written off as maybe a cremation urn and a casket. I mean, what, whatever. So Henry was kind of playing loose with the credit card processing front. And um, what ultimately happened is that there was a huge player in the government that was racking up all these funeral accessories. And the government accounting office uh, inquired about them. And Spence told Henry that he wanted Henry to cover for this guy. And Henry refused. And then Spence called Henry to his home. And there was the gentleman who was actually who was guilty of not the gentleman who was guilty, but um, a very high ranking person in the cabinet. And this person tried to twist Henry's arm to get him to help Aiden abet this false story with the government accounting office. And, and Henry wouldn't do it. And this gentleman who was in the cabinet said, I can withstand a background check. Can you? And uh, within 24 hours, Henry started to have major legal problems. I mean, you were put on the Franklin scandal story by Rolling Stone. I pitched Rolling Stone a story about the occult, and they were interested in that. When you research something like the occult, you never know where it's going to lead. My initial research on the occult ultimately led to me acquiring a, a U.S. Customs report on the finders. And the finders were a cult that was busted trafficking children, six children in Florida, although the cult was centered in Washington, D.C. And what happened there was the kids were given to child protective services. And I've got the talent. They were busted in Tallahassee. And I've got the Tallahassee police report that says that two of the kids have been sexually abused. So ultimately what happened there was the U.S. Customs Service and then the Washington, D.C. police executed search warrants on the warehouses that were owned by the finders. And they found all kinds of strange stuff, kids in robes, cutting open a goat, child pornography, all kinds of stuff. So the kids were given to Child Protective Services, and then the two adults that were with the kids were thrown in jail and indicted on multiple counts of child abuse. And then the CIA came in and quashed everything, and a number of the kids were given back to the cult. So when I read that U.S. Customs report, I, I was stunned. First of all, the CIA shouldn't have any power whatsoever in the United States of America. I mean, that's never stopped it, but the CIA should not be able to quash a domestic case. And here was the CIA quashing a domestic case of child abuse. And I'd written a number of things about uh, lower socioeconomic children, including a book, America's Children's Crime for Tragedy. So I'm, I'm quite sensitive to uh, children's issues. And when I came across that customs report, I was really stunned. It did not fit into the paradigm that I developed for this world. So I ultimately started looking for similar type situations where the CIA might be aiding and abetting child trafficking, as horrible as that sounds. And I ultimately was led to Omaha, Nebraska. When I first got to Nebraska, I was skeptical, but then a lot of things happened, including a death threat that kind of changed my mind that something very significant was, had happened in Nebraska. And then I brought that back to Rolling Stone and they, they didn't want to touch it. So that was how it worked out for me. With the Franklin scandal, I remember before we got the book out, you put together 
a 10,000 word magazine article that was bulletproof. And you shop that around and shop that around and shop that around and nobody would touch it. Then we put out this very good book, Franklin Scandal. I tried to get you on, you know, I, I couldn't even get you on coast to coast where they, they talk about, you know, all kinds of crazy stuff. You were the person who put Epstein's black book out on the internet. E educate us about Mr. Epstein and, and what you think's going on. Well, as I said earlier in the show, uh, the Epstein scandal and the Franklin scandal are very similar. The Epstein network and the Franklin network are very similar. They both flew children interstate and actually Epstein flew them internationally too. They both had intelligence connections. They were both affiliated with uh, intelligence entities. And ultimately there was egregious aberrations in the legal system to protect both the people that were running the Franklin network and also the Epstein network. Why? Because I believe that the one thing that has to be kept under lock and key at all time is that intelligence entities use children as blackmail fodder. Intelligence agencies have used men and women to blackmail people for forever. But you would think that the line would be drawn at adults, but it's not drawn at adults uh, because children are being used to fulfill the fantasies of our really sick and demented politicians and affluent businessmen. So that's one area where, like I said, it has to be under lock and key. Now, the, the cover-up with Franklin and my inability to get the Franklin scandal out there is, I mean, it's, it's really quite breathtaking. So in 2002, I had a death threat. Some years later, I was pulled over with a kind of an infamous photographer that worked for the Franklin Network, and my car was ripped apart. They went through everything. We were shooting for blackmail pictures, but I was kind of taken on a wild goose chase. And now Wikipedia really just is the, fr the Franklin Child Network or, or abuse allegations on Wikipedia are just really, I mean, it's total propaganda. And myself and others have tried to change that page to, to reflect some kind of reality, but there's no way that that page is going to be changed. And there was such a battle over that page that it got stubbed. It's kind of amazing to me because I've written a number of academic papers and articles on lower socioeconomic children. I wrote a book on lower socioeconomic children. It's not like I'm coming to this thing as someone who's into conspiracies. I'm coming into this as someone who believes in the welfare of children. And, and with the Franklin scandal, I believe that children shouldn't be pandered with impunity. The Franklin Network was much bigger than the Epstein Network. The Franklin Network was around for about 10 years, maybe 12 years, but the Epstein Network was around for about 30 years. Epstein was trafficking children for about 30 years. For some reason, I thought that Epstein wouldn't be as malevolent as Franklin because Franklin is very malevolent. What was done with the kids? But as I've dug deeper and deeper into uh, Epstein, I've discovered that the Epstein network, uh, some of these pedophiles and the names are mind boggling. I mean, and, and you have talked directly with some of the victims, correct? Yes. They have been treated sadistically. In that Epstein network, there are some major sadists. How, how do you deal with this? How, how do you deal with uncovering this stuff? You know, I mean, I, I watched for years, you know, I mean, you, you've jumped through hoops through peer-reviewed journals and everything to try and get it noticed and you just get slapped down every time. 
you know, well, not necessarily. Um, the uh, National Center on Sexual Exploitation had an uh, international summit this year, and I was and I spoke there. And I also spoke at the annual conference of the International Society of uh, Trauma and Dissociation. So, I don't see you on my TV or on in the uh, New York Times. Well, well here's the thing. Um, people that deal with uh, children that have been trafficked and children that have been traumatized, they read my work and they know that I'm right. Now, it would be wonderful if the journalism world would let me in, but they're not willing to do that. But it's very strange that I get respect from these international societies and nothing happens with ma mainstream journalism in America. And I wrote a, an article about Epstein that was bulletproof and solid and um, no one would touch it. And I pitched it to the major magazines and two of those magazine editors, I know, I mean, they're friends of mine or acquaintances of mine. I know them relatively well. Uh, one of them I had written for before and a couple others I'd been pitching a number of times. So those editors knew who I was and they would not publish that article. And, and I, and that article, I, fo I focused on corroboration of the perps and, um, and also the blackmail enterprise of Epstein. So there's been a number of accounts of Epstein as a blackmail enterprise, but no one in the media is willing to really follow that line of questioning. And here's the thing about Epstein, and this is what people don't really understand. If you look at Jeffrey Epstein's black book, which I put up on the internet, there's a number of names that are circled and his house manager circled people that were in cahoots with Epstein because the FBI got a hold of that book and they called them potential material witnesses. Some of the guys in that book are some of the most powerful men in the world, in the world. So there's no way that Jeffrey Epstein by himself could have blackmailed those people. There's just no way. I mean, Jeffrey Epstein was a college dropout who grew up in Coney Island. If he tried to blackmail some of those power brokers, they would simply have him murdered. Uh, could you name a couple of those, Nick? All you have to do is Google Nick Bryant Black Book, and you'll see who the names are. So there's no way that Epstein in and of himself could have blackmailed those people. So those people had to have known, those men had to have known that Epstein had an organization behind him that would seek retribution if something happened to Epstein. That's the only way he could have blackmailed some of those guys. So that's what people whiff on. They think that, that Epstein was a blackmail artist by himself in a vacuum, but there's no way that that could happen. There, there's no way that he could have trafficked girls for 30 years and been part of a blackmail operation without someone overseeing him and making sure that nothing happened to him. And people can't put that together. Well, just to, just to change the subject here, and, and we, we got to run here pretty soon, so what do, you, what do you think of the year 2020? Well, it's, uh, we're, we are living in strange times. There's that Chinese proverb, may you live in interesting times. Now, you know, that's not really a Chinese proverb. They did some research on it and they found out that it first started appearing in, in pulp novels in the 30s because people went back to China and said, hey, you have this, and the Chinese said, what are you talking about? So, but yeah. That, that's entirely possible. Um, I thought it was a Chinese, it sounds like a Chinese proverb. But anyway, um, what really bothers me is there's a lot of guys in the Black Book and the victims have named a lot of guys. And the only one that's sitting in jail right now is Ghislaine Maxwell. The New York Times uh, in August of 2019 wrote an article where it named six procurers of Epstein's. Ghislaine Maxwell was one of them, but there were five others. 
And actually one of them even confessed to procuring for Epstein. So none of them have been scathed or indicted. So what we need to do is indict the procurers. If this was like real justice, it would be handled like a, a RICO investigation where a number of smaller fish would be indicted. And these are child trafficking charges, which carry a 15 year to life sentence. And if you indict someone on a two or three or four or five or six child trafficking charges, they're looking at multiple lifetimes in prison, and then they're going to roll over on the perps. I mean, if this was a real investigation, that's what would happen. And that's definitely not what's happened. Well, you're a real investigator, and it's so sad that you've been basically ignored. It, it you know, it just, uh, it rips me apart, you know, the stuff that uh, is done to these children and, and everything, and, and it is done to our country. Do you have hope for the future? Um, I'm an optimist. I might be delusional, but uh, I'm an optimist. But I think, I think that although the Franklin scandal hasn't sold the way we wanted it to sell, it's edified a lot of people. And, and well, and it, it, it never just dropped. I mean, it, it continues to sell out there, you know. And I love books because they're just silent until somebody picks them up. But. I've also developed credibility with a number of anti-trafficking organizations too. So hopefully we can get justice for these victims because I think if you break open Epstein the way that it should be broken open, that you would see that our political system is quite perfidious. It's unfortunate William Barr is our attorney general and, and he's been a cover-up guy forever. Actually, he covered up the first Franklin scandal. Right, right. and Epstein worked for his dad how can people help you and how can people help these kids? What, what can people do? Well, I have a uh, petition on change.org with a number of Epstein victims and we're demanding justice for Epstein victims. So you're, the people that are watching this can go to change.org. And then we're also working on some other stuff too, which I'm not going to get into now, but we're really working assiduously to start a movement where people can take back their lives because one in four underage girls is molested as a minor and uh, one in six underage boys is molested as a minor. So that's approximately 60 million Americans who were molested as minors. So there's a tremendous number of people out there and it's really important to congeal them. And I'm hoping that Epstein will enable a movement to congeal because the corruption is just so thick. And, and the lies that we've been told about Epstein are just so disingenuous that I know a lot of Americans uh, know that something really rotten happened with Epstein. Right. So that's change.org? Yes. Okay. And uh, they just go there? Do they have to search for the particular thing? That I would, you can put in um, justice for Epstein victims. You can Google justice for Epstein victims, change.org and change.org and you'll be delivered right to the petition. Okay. Quick question for you, Nick. What's that? Um, do you think uh, Epstein killed himself? If not, who do you think may have done it? Or is he dead? Or um, is he dead? You know, here's the thing with that. It's a meme that I really don't buy into. Uh, there were certainly a number of anomalies that night when Epstein killed himself. But unfortunately, people are buying into that meme. Did Epstein kill himself or who killed Epstein? And they're not focusing on justice for Epstein's victims. That sh should be the focus, not on who killed Jeffrey Epstein. But I think that if, you, if, if we truly get justice for Epstein's victims, we might find out exactly uh, what happened in that jail that night. Nick, 
Thank you very, very much. Thank you, Chris. You bet. Onwards. <laughs>